Hey, y'all. Pastor Emil here with another episode of Sweet Jesus. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Ice cream is sweet, but Jesus is far sweeter. And and one of the topics we'll be talking about today, friendship. Friendship is sweet, um, but I think Jesus makes even friendship sweeter. I am privileged to have Ted Jackson with me here today at the Open Arms Podcast Studio. He's a Pulitzer Prize-winning photojournalist and author of the book, You Ought to Do a Story About Me, Addiction and Unlikely Friendship and the Endless Quest for Redemption. Uh, I am so excited. We have some mutual friends that connected us, some members of the congregation here at Open Arms, Suzanne and Mel, I think they knew kind of what I was going through the end of last year, dealing with a homeless man that was sleeping on a bench right outside my office window, right outside the window uh, behind me here, actually. And they gave me a signed copy of your book. Awesome. <laughs> and uh, it was I, – I didn't read it right away because of the – the Christmas rush and everything, and then I was gone for visiting family and everything. But when I picked it up, once I started reading it, I couldn't put it down. Uh, there were obviously times in the beginning, first half of the book, I guess, you know, where I'd finally say, okay, I got to go to sleep. But then right around the midpoint, uh, two-thirds of the way through, I, I had to know because I'm thinking, how does this actually end? <laughs> this... <laughs> This might go great. It might be this perfect, triumphant victory, or or it might not be. And I think that's kind of the ups and downs of dealing with folks that uh, that have struggles like this. So it it absolutely is, and I will tell you that from from that introduction, I will I will say that right about that spot that you're talking about reading, uh, I was living that at that point. How is this going to end? Uh, interesting enough. Um, I sold um, this proposal to HarperCollins uh, publishers without an ending. Wow. They they bought the project not knowing how the book would end. Uh, I don't know how unique that is, but it was certainly unique for me. Yeah. And uh, trying to find where this was going to go, if this was going to be a success, if this was going to be an utter failure, if this was going to be an embarrassment uh, – uh, was quite a journey for me mm. as a as a writer, as a journalist, as a Christian, as a human being. Um, so yeah, I, I live that very <laughs> same feeling with you. Yeah, it, it, and I think, and we can talk about this now or or later, but I think that's part of the problem that most people have with most Christians have with trying to serve people in situations like this it is so up and down the roller coaster is real and the more you open your heart to people the more likely you are to be hurt not not so much because they're trying to hurt you but you get attached to them and and their success is it feels great but when they don't succeed when, when things go downhill man it pulls you right along for the ride it, it really does it yeah. It, it it really is akin to seeing someone drowning on a beach mm. and you're enjoying your day, you're you're having a good life, you may have your kids with you in a picnic, but you've got to make a decision if you're going to help or not. 
And when you dive in the water, um, you know, we all know that a drowning man is going to fight back because (laughs) they're desperate and they may take you down with them. Uh, that's, that's a moment of, um, as I say, conflict of faith, conflict of, of a moment that, uh, um, you have to realize that you've got to defend yourself at the same time while you're trying to, to save someone. Um, and also with a, with addiction and homelessness and, and, and those kinds of issues that this book talks about so much, um, I finally learned deep down that, uh, you, you, you never, no matter how you think the process is going at that point, you never get on your horse and ride away into the sunset declaring victory. Mm. Uh, addiction is always addiction. It's, it's, it's never ending. Um, once an addict, always an addict kind of philosophy is so true. Um, and failures along the way have to be regarded as just part of the process. Yeah. And um, you're, you're there to help. You're there to, to, to try to coach or try to, you know, to, to help someone along the way. Um, you're not necessarily going to be a savior. You're, mm. you're going to be someone who's trying to encourage and, and uh, get them on down the line. And that's what I've learned through this book is that um, um, sometimes there's incredible successes <laughs> and sometimes there's not. Yeah. We had uh, this guy, Axel. I think I told you a little bit about him on the phone. Axel Dale Lynn von Rasmussen. It's one heck of a name. It's a great name. (laughs) It's a a great name. And he was with us for quite a while. He was worshiping with us. And we had on Easter Sunday, this past Easter, April uh, 2021, he had been, we got him into this place called Quad Vets, uh, a housing place for veterans, homeless veterans. And he had been there several weeks, I think, already, kind of looking good, kind of cleaned up quite a bit and getting fed regularly and not doing as much drinking. And this was out in Hammond. And we made special arrangements to have him worship with us again for the first time in a while on Easter Sunday. And and he was a musician so we got him a guitar. We had all kinds of stuff put on it. Uh, we had the case for the guitar out so people could sign it. And the theme was an unstoppable God. You know, couldn't stop Jesus, right? Death couldn't stop Jesus. And so kind of this hopeful message. And, and we gave him the guitar, presented it in front of the whole congregation. Everyone's like, oh, my goodness, this is unbelievable. Yes, 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 yes. And I can't tell you how, I I almost feel like what we did actually led him into his nosedive. Like we almost built him up too much. It's almost like a first date where you overwhelm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Too many flowers, too many carriages. And, and, uh, you know, he, he left the place he was at and he came back this way. And it wasn't too long after that that he just kind of we, – we don't even know where he is right now. And so that whole story made me really appreciate what you were dealing with with Jackie. You know, that, that first meeting 
under the bridge and then the growing relationship into a friendship and you know as we talked about in the book there's that point where you start to go wait a second maybe this isn't going to end so well and you're writing about your roller coaster ride and I'm just like man this guy knows <laughs> this is <laughs> this is no joke so so yeah. What can you tell us about that? What have you learned? I mean, you started to talk a little bit about that already. Um. Well, you know, I, I I realize that it's a process. Um, for those who don't know, I found Jackie under a bridge, you know, as a homeless man. He told me that uh, uh, I should do a story about him, which is the title of the book. And um, I asked him why. And he said because he had played in three Super Bowls. And so that gave me an interest in this human being. And you, you kind of hate to think that, you know, I'm not interested in every homeless man that I meet or every crack addict that I meet. Um, but that was the start of our friendship in understanding that Jackie was, was different in this way. Uh, I was a journalist, so I was always interested in, in different. Um, but as far as learning about addiction and about the the, the homeless world, um, I was a lot younger then, thirty years ago, when this happened. Um, I just I just suddenly learned that 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 Jackie wasn't a whole lot different than me. Here he was living under this, under this bridge, uh, had very few possessions, and didn't seem to care that much about that. But, um, but his decision-making process was very different than mine. Uh, he made terrible decisions. Um, I was trying to live my life making you know really careful decisions about my family, my career, and, and everything else. But in the end, it was all about about Christ to me, that, that I wanted to please God. And I was not looking for a project of a homeless man, crack addict, to try to help. Um, for some reason, um, God put Jackie and I together that day. And we both recognized that, that, uh, that uh, our skill sets in our lives led us to that moment. And trying to learn from each other has been the challenge and has been the journey. There's a, a lot I'd like to talk about based on what you just said, but you may have noticed that I started eating my ice cream because I realized it was going to turn into a pile of <laughs> I liquid. Love, I love the, the concept <laughs> here, the ice cream. Well, normally I would have mentioned at the beginning and invite people to get their own Desserts and pull up a chair and turn on the audio or the video on YouTube and 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 enjoy some delicious dessert alongside with us because ice cream is sweet, but Jesus is sweeter, all that. But we just dove right in, and I'm okay with that because I'm excited, and, and I think I was ready to talk about it. But it is going to turn into soup. Yes, it is. So you have a – I had a Snickers bar – Snickers ice cream bar. You have a Klondike bar, and there's something 
special about that? You said there was something significant. There, there is something very special about this. I love ice cream, and I love uh, just about any kind of ice cream, actually. <laughs> Uh, but there was a, and, and hope, hopefully this will uh, carry down the line here, but I had a dear friend who um, had a very, very bad day about seven years ago. And I called him up, and I was just, I felt like he needed to talk. I could tell. And um, I said, uh, why don't you meet me at the park, and I'll bring two Klondike bars. and um that has carried on and we still i think about six months ago we met at the park and and brought klondike bars and we just love to share that moment and it's a it's a tradition for us now but it's it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a clarion call for we need to talk yeah so here we are well now i wish i would have had a klondike bar myself (laughs) to help drive home that illustration but i didn't know that so <laughs> i had the stickers bar. well i know where there are some more there <laughs> it's the freezer full of them oh there's a guy down the hall that we rent some office space to he's got his own marketing company and he comes down every once in a while and says, i need a klondike bar <laughs> and he comes in and we have a klondike bar but ice cream does help uh, eating in general with people, you know, I think you see in the New Testament, well, New and Old Testament, eating table fellowship is such a, a big deal. You know, the fact that Jesus is willing to eat with Zacchaeus and eat with tax collectors and sinners, right? And it's it's a way to build relationships, break down barriers. We're both doing the same thing. We both need to eat. We both put our pants on the same way, one leg at a time unless you're an acrobat that I didn't know, <laughs> right? So it's okay to uh, to eat in front of the mic. Do I need to push the mic back? Is it? You'll hear I, it. I hear it's... that I'm a cruncher. <laughs> well, maybe everyone else will too. <laughs> uh, so some of the things you said, Jackie doesn't make decisions like everyone else. Jackie doesn't care about things. And you had to learn from him, and he had to learn from you. You actually quoted it at one point. He, I forget exactly where it was, but you talked about him quoting the Bible about how foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Axel quoted that to me on Christmas Eve, and then he quoted there was no room in the inn for my Savior, so no, I'm not going to let you give me a motel stay on Christmas Eve of all nights. Yeah, isn't that interesting? <laughs> and, and maybe there's something unhealthy about that. You know, maybe there's something that, well, we're just covering up for so many other things, right. and we're just putting kind of a pious look on it. But at, but at the same time, I think he really didn't need things. And and I get the sense, like, as you talk about Jackie, that they have a detachment from things that we might learn from. Right. <clears throat> and, of course, there's always a healthy there, – there, there's a Balance. meter going back and forth you yes. know, as, to, as to where you're in the positive side and where you're in the negative side. I think Jackie, that first time when he quoted that, he was really justifying his um, – 
is letting go of responsibility. And, but at the same time, he was telling me something very true. You're putting too much emphasis on your material goods Mm. and that you're thinking too much about that. You know, do you really need that kind of stuff? Um, But, but Jackie has a way of, um, of living a Christianity that, that I find difficult to live in that, you give him $20 and he'll give 19 of it away mm. because he doesn't need that. He doesn't, he, he needs to pay his bills as we all do, but anything extra he, he gives away. He gives it to his nieces. He gives it to his friends. Uh, he sees someone in need and he, he responds <laughs> and he, he tells me, he said, um, this is the, this is what Christianity means to me. Wow, and you know, <laughs> I um, I say, well, that's what it means to me too. But I need nineteen dollars, and I'll give away one. <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, but like I said, you know, there's a meter that's that's flopping back and forth. Um, a lot of homeless people that I have met, um, they're homeless for different reasons, and there is a a lot of mental illness that that goes on yeah. on the streets. Um, it's, it's a shame that we can't find help for people like that and identify those and separate them. Then there's another group of a segment of homelessness that is simply searching out freedom and they want that. They need that for whatever reason. And they resist anything that changes that, uh, responsibility, uh, impedes their freedom. Um, that's not healthy, but, once you understand that you can start to work with it a little bit. Um, I've, I've worked with many homeless, two in particular, two homeless men that, that um, unity of new Orleans found apartments for, got them into the apartments. And I saw them as miserable human beings in those apartments because their living room was on the street. Um, whether it was in Jackson square or in Treme or whatever it was. And those two men um, they were very uncomfortable in, a, in an apartment with a kitchen and a, a TV that they sat alone in all day long and watched soap mm-hmm. operas. So um, it's, a, it's an interesting concept of, of, um, of, of what makes a person like that happy. It's the abdication of responsibility is what I find for a lot of uh, these guys. And that allows them to use the drugs that they want, they, it allows them to be with the people that they want, um, sometimes have sex with the people, whoever they want, and um, just be totally devoid of responsibility. So the drugs are a result of this pursuit of freedom, not what causes this freedom, meaning they're out on the streets and no responsibility. Well, <clears throat> sometimes the drugs, you know— it, I was also told by a dear friend at the Osmond Inn that uh, once you figure out the nugget of one human being, what causes <laughs> them to be homeless and an addict, you don't necessarily you write it down as to be your you know your opus and and you find the second person is it's totally wrong for yeah that every person is individual, um, but for for Jackie his story. Um, a lot of people see this as a, a football star uh, who had a lot of money and got the big head and 
you know, got into drugs. Well, that's not true at all for Jackie. Jackie uh, did his football career without ever having any trouble with drugs. It was when his mother died after he'd been out of football for years uh, that he felt like he had lost the one human being that cared the most about him. Mm. It was a huge hole in his heart. And uh, he tried crack cocaine the first, well, the night of his mother's funeral. And um, if there's one lesson that kids can get out of this book, uh, it is the classic just say no, that one, one time... Uh, used for Jackie ruined his life, wow. and um, um, and and he's not been able to kick it. I, I have several friends who actually s- several friends that I've met through writing and researching this book that uh, had terrible drug addictions or alcohol addictions that were able to kick it. And when I say kick it, I mean control it and never go back to it, even though they know they're still an addict, but. They have been now sober. One one dear friend has been sober for 27 years now mm. and has never touched it again. But he goes to his AA meetings every chance he gets, uh, still knowing that he's an addict. Um, Jackie has not been able to do that. Jackie keeps falling back, um, just like I do in issues that, that I like to try to kick in my life, you know, habits that I like to break. Um, and... When, when we talked about a little earlier about how Jackie doesn't think the way I do, mm. nowhere was it more evident than one day that uh, while I was writing the book that Jackie went missing again. And once, I, once he called me again after about six weeks, he'd been on what he called a sabbatical. Yeah, the chapter. Right. Uh, he'd been on a sabbatical where he was using again, and, but he, he, he fought his way back. And I really mean that. He, he when he comes out of an addiction or out of his, he's fighting. He wow. is fighting to get back. Um, I, I had that opportunity, that nugget of a moment, where I I could ask him, "Tell me what happened. What thought went through your head to make you take that step to go back to crack again?" And he looked at me in point blank, said. That's not how it works. Hmm. It's like, it's, it's not the way it is. It's, it's simply that it gets in my head, and if I don't fight it off, then I've taken one step already. And then the second step, it's over. Hmm. And the next thing I know, I'm trying to fight my way back out of it again. And... Um, <clears throat> I saw that in myself that if I have a piece of chocolate cake sitting on the counter and I know I don't want to eat it. <laughs> and, you know, you know, this is very different as far as how it ends up in the end of the day. I, I acknowledge that. Yeah. But the thought process is the same. I look at the cake and I say, I don't need that. I don't want that. But just one bite's not going to hurt me. <laughs> and it's not taking the fork into the cake, that's the key moment here. It's saying one little bite won't hurt me. Yeah. It's letting that creep into your head, and it's over. It's already over at that point. Yeah. And it's if you don't fight that moment, then you've already lost that little battle, or big battle for Jackie is the way it goes. 
So what do you say to a guy with a freezer full of ice cream in his office? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> what advice do you have? I, I, I say that uh, I can't have it alone. <laughs> oh, interesting. Uh, I, which I think is a 12-step drinking. You know, you don't you never drink alone. Never drink alone. But it's uh, as long as I have a guest or, you know, if I – I invited people over to our house a couple of times to use some of the ice cream just before Ida because I had to clear out the freezer (laughs) (laughs) just in case. Well, you know, ice cream can be an addiction to some people and not others, right? That is true. Right? You know, listening to too much music can be an addiction. You know, there's Mm. addictions can be anything, anything, Mm. and that we can't control that is a detriment to our life and that we can't stop. And it, it, it makes us do things that we don't want to do. Uh, makes us miss work. It makes us change our relationships. It makes us do things in secret that we shouldn't be doing. Mm. Um, so, um, yeah, we, we keep ice cream in our freezer all the time. <laughs> you know, because the grandkids like it. Oh, right? Sure, you know, yeah. it's, uh, you and know, one it's, little bite won't hurt. It won't hurt. <laughs> it won't hurt. <laughs> but that's interesting how he has his own, you know, the, the way he describes dealing with addiction, and it's not anything like what uh, what you would think it is. You talked also about his mom and how that kind of set him off that one time, just say no is really the something to take home. As a parent of four kids, you know, that's something that I'll obviously take home and tell my kids tonight. Mm-hmm. But you talk later also about and I had read this or heard about it somewhere, this research about folks in Vietnam that developed a heroin addiction Yes, that we think it's a chemical dependency but really or, or altering the brain. And, and maybe it's a little bit of all of this, just like Jackie's teaching us, even though the way he's using that Bible passage wasn't perfect right. or, or wasn't uh, – Perfectly noble. A little self-serving. A little self-serving, for sure. Right. But it was still a teaching moment for you and, exactly. and for me. So uh, th- talk a little bit about that. The, the, these guys are in Vietnam. 20%, I think you had said, develop an addiction to heroin. And then of those guys that come back, everyone's afraid we're going to have drug dealers everywhere. We're going to have just this incredible. Yeah, we're going to have an epidemic uh, in the United States when they come back because proportion. they're all addicted to heroin over there, all these soldiers. And uh, the truth was that when they came back, they without any help, without any intervention, they just stopped using heroin. 95%. And yeah. so what happened? And the 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 research indicated that it was it was not that they were addicted chemically physically to heroin it was simply that they had something missing in their lives and what that was they were in a horrible situation without a community to deal with it mm. um and uh in a jungle in foxholes in mud and and uh and without a sane world around them. And when they came back to their families and their friends, they didn't need that anymore. And um, the, the point is made very poetically with the lab rats. That, yes. That's also in the chapter of the yeah. book where it talks about how uh, you, you feed them the, the, the cocaine in the water and they couldn't stop drinking it. And it 
kill them. They, they drank it until they died. And that was supposed to indicate the physical addiction to the brain, um, which shouldn't be discounted. But the researchers suddenly realized that the, 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 the whole study was a little skewed because the, there was nothing else to do in that cage. Mm. And so they created what was called the Rat Park, <laughs> which had toys, uh, adventures, uh, playthings, even had female rats, and the same drug in the same water, and they didn't touch it. Wow. And so it wasn't the chemical that was killing the rats. It was the environment. And so they, they said, if only, if only we had a real-life study that we could see human beings in this rat park or the empty cage. And they suddenly realized they already had it in mm. Vietnam, in the wow. soldiers in Vietnam. And so making that connection suddenly led to the, the opposite of dic- addiction is not sobriety. It's the, it's, it's connection is having, uh, having a life worth living is, is one way to look at it, I think. And I find that so clear in Jackie's life is that when he is surrounded by people who love him and care for him and want to be there for him, um, he does great. And when he gets depressed and lonely um, is, is when he seems to be drawn back to the crack as, mm-hmm. as a crutch. Of course, once again, this, this isn't for everyone, and this isn't yeah, every time you get somebody right? figured out. It's a- but it seems to be Jackie's pattern. And uh, so I try to surround him by people, uh, keep him surrounded. And, you know, it's not my job, of course, um, but it is, it seems to be, um, you know, it just seems that God laid Jackie at my door for some reason. And uh, I've tried to respond to that. Um, And um, there's a lot of people in Jackie's lives that feel that way, his family, really struggles to to help him in any way that they can without being an enabler you know that's always the question too you know are you mm. helping them to the point that it just helps them go back to the drugs like i was telling earlier right did we push <laughs> him so too far hard. Yeah. so complicated um but um but we are here to be our brother's keeper and uh you know when when Cain asked that of God, am I my brother's keeper? The answer was supposed to be yes. Yes. It yeah. wasn't a smart aleck remark. You know, I'm not having, it's not my job to take care of everybody. Well, um, Actually, maybe it is. Maybe it is. And, and maybe um, we have a little, <clears throat> we have a little bracelet that we hand out at our church at First Baptist in Covington that uh, simply says, who's your one? And um, I, I really like that because we all know somebody that we can spend time with and that we can pray for and that we could find opportunities to encourage them um, in, in many ways. Uh, addiction is only one of them. Uh, loneliness is another one. And, of, of course, uh, you know, uh, salvation and helping people find God and helping them understand Scripture is is certainly another path that we need to. We 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 can't save the world, but we can we can all have one mm. that we focus on. Yeah. What 
you know, I, I, as you talked about that research and, hey, we can reach one, you know, did you start to see that what your the best thing you could offer Jackie was that? Like, did was it that research that helped you get there or had you already kind of started to move in that direction that really the best thing maybe you could do for him was just be his friend, was just care about him, connect with him, have a a friendship, a relationship with him? I think so, and I but I think that came much later. I think the very first interaction I had with Jackie Wallace is the title of the book is when he said you ought to do a story about me. I was a journalist. I was a photographer. Um, I didn't write stories at the time, and um, but he was asking in an interesting way. He was asking to be able to tell his story. And he wanted people to learn from his mistakes. And so I think the beginning of our relationship and maybe even the essence of our relationship now is simply trying to tell Jackie's story and what happened to him. And please don't let this happen to you or people that you know and love. Um, And if, it has already happened to people that you know and love. Maybe try to think a little bit different about it. And uh, that is Jackie's message, and that is my message in the book. And um, I don't preach in the book. I don't give you a formula in the book of how to deal with homelessness. I just tell you the story of how um, how our story unfolded and and basically what I learned about addiction and homelessness and Christianity and faith and redemption. And um, if someone can pick up on something that, which everybody does, that's read it, mm-hmm. they, they pick up something in their lives that they can uh, use as an action um, point um, that helps them uh, see the world a little bit differently. Yeah. I love, I love all that about the book. It is you telling your story or, you and Jackie, that story. And you do talk about faith, but I think even people that aren't necessarily Christians or people of faith, it doesn't come across preachy. It doesn't, it's not putting anything down their throat or in their face or hitting them over the head with anything. It's just, this is you processing, trying to, like you talked about earlier, am I my brother's keeper? You know, you've got that rattling around in your head as you're wrestling with, can I keep doing this? Should I, can I just walk away now? Uh, there's a proverb you mentioned about how can I not answer the cry or, or basically if you don't answer the cry of the one in need, then you will be unanswered in your cry when you're right. in need. Uh, so many little nuggets there that I think are helpful for people and, Again, whether or not they believe the Bible is authoritative, believe in God, believe in Jesus, and then just seeing it unfold in your life as you wrestle with it, it uh, it's it's a great book. It really is a great book. Well, thank you. So, thank you for taking the time to read it. It's, <laughs> it's um, I um, you know the some of the most terrifying words in an author's life is when someone says, you know, I read your book and 
Then there's Don't wait. empty space. <laughs> <laughs> Don't wait. You, you better know what you're going to say after the end. And if it's anything except it was amazing, then you probably should just not even start it's the not, sentence to begin with. Not even say it right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the the truth is that that we wanted to put this out there. And Jackie and I, you know, one of the greatest gifts that a writer or a photographer can have, a photojournalist and a, a journalist can have is is a subject who is willing to bear their soul uh, to you and uh, tell you everything. I've always been a big believer in warts and all kinds of stories that were, where you don't try to lead a, a reader uh, to a certain conclusion. You just tell a story. And Jackie does not hide anything in his life. If you, if, if, if <laughs> I kept telling myself, if I just ask the right questions, then I will know everything about Jackie because he doesn't hold anything back because he wants you to learn from his mistakes. And so there's lots of good in Jackie and lots of good things in Jackie's life, and there's a lot of bad things. Um, I think there's one section where I talk about I've never seen a more benevolent thief in my life, <laughs> right? Uh, it, it and it goes on and on. It's, it's, he's such a contrast um, in uh, in so many different things that um, uh, there's so much to learn. There's so much to see. Um, but his 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 faith and his generosity just astound me, and. Um, I I just I, I've learned so much about understanding what God's will is for my life and being a being a vessel for that and trying not to get in the way of that. Um, that's very difficult for me. I, I like to have more control over my life, and then I watch, you know, Jackie just let let his will go. And, and let God take his life um, in those moments where he's living a straight and sober life. It's, it's just, I, I find it amazing. Um, but you, you, you talk at one point in the book kind of a, about that very thing. I think you're, you spent several weeks photographing a housing project, Desire, I think it was, in St. Bernard. Uh, it's uh, in the Upper Ninth Ward. That's okay. where it is, right? Right there at the high rise, going into New Orleans. And you said something like, "I started out asking God, telling God this is what I was going to do, and asking Him to bless my plans for Him." You know, and then a few weeks in, now I was saying, "All right, God, you just tell me what to do. I don't know what to do, and you tell me what to do, and I'll do it." Right, and uh, what whatever. Wherever this story is going, just let me be the vessel that that uh, you know that that you use. And because I was so overwhelmed by what I was learning, I I, I thought I, I went into desire thinking, um, you know, I want to see people bull- pulling themselves up by their bootstraps. And suddenly mm-hmm. I realized people didn't have shoes, yeah. and that that children were coming up to me and rubbing my arms and my hair um, because they had literally. Never seen a white person. Wow, that was stunning to me in the late eighties, and the really they had never left the projects. Anybody that was there to to 
minister or help or service the community was black too. Uh, and they had never, it was just, it was an, an oddity to see a white human being. And um, I spent the night, the first one night, um, I slept in the apartment with one family and I was, I made it my mission that night to, to imagine myself living here with my family, my two sons, um, and my wife in, in this apartment and thinking, if I didn't have my education and my upbringing, how long would it take me to better my life and to get out of this terrible environment? And um, just it, it only took one night to realize how, uh, what a daunting task that was because children were ducking into the doorways um, throwing their jump ropes down and, and ducking past me into the doorway at the sound of gunfire right, you know, just 20, 30 feet away from them. Mm. And um, drug deals going down right outside the windows. All those kinds of things were just so illuminating to me. Um, so it's one of the, the blessings of being a photojournalist in New Orleans is that you learn so much about the world because you – you don't write stories over the phone through <laughs> interviews. You have to be there when yeah. it happens and how it happens. And and, uh, and Jackie's the same way. I, I had to be with him for a lot of these these moments uh, when um, these things happened, and and uh, to to share some of them with him and to um, to be able to experience his stories. Uh, to see him under the bridge was an amazing thing. To to live there. Um, and how he survived, how he how he ate, how he washed, how he um, spent his days. Um, so anyway, so it sounds like you're the book you wrote the book with telling Jackie's story to help people learn from Jackie's story, and of course. I think we also learned a lot about you, your story, your how you learned about yourself and about all of these different things. What is it that we should learn from his story? I mean, I think we've touched on some of the things already, kind of we need connection, that everybody's different, that we don't think the same, and that maybe the things we think are so important aren't as important. But what, what, what else does he want us to learn? What else are people learning, right? Because we can all look at the same story and come away with different things. What are people telling you? Uh, what is it that his story is doing for people? Uh, I think in the book you talk about that viral tweet where you were searching for him. And uh, I think there were some folks that talked about how this was giving them some sort of outlet, some sort of uh, connection with people that helped them feel better about their situation. You know, they had loved ones who they had been looking for at various points. They had loved ones that struggled with addiction. They had loved ones that uh, they just wish somebody would help them find, and they can't do that. Uh, what what other things are, are people getting out of this story? What what else are they learning from Jackie's life? I, <clears throat> I, I think – one of the main things people learn from the book is to think 
just a little bit differently mm. than than where we start. Um, I think every day, if we're not learning a little something and thinking a little bit differently, then we've kind of wasted the day at the end of the day. I remember one of my sons, you know, had this moment, and I think when he was 16, that he felt like, you know, he kind of knew it all. <laughs> I remember I don't being know there. anything like that. I remember being there. I don't know what you're talking about. I have never <laughs> felt like I knew it all, certainly not at 16. <laughs> and I remember saying to him, and uh, I, I can relate to my life myself through this too, but it was kind of one of those parenting moments that you're kind of proud of. I said, you know, do you feel like you're a smarter human being right now than you were when you were 15? Well, yeah. Well, yeah, I was stupid when I was 15. I said, just imagine what you're going to be when you're 17, <laughs> you know? And just imagine when you're 30. I said, there's so much to learn out there that, yeah. that when we start thinking that we've got it figured out, you know, then then maybe God is through with us, you know? <laughs> no, but, but God is not through with us, and he's got so much to teach us if we just keep our minds open. Um, and my grandmother always said, you know, don't keep your mind so open that everything falls out. <laughs> but, yes. but, uh, but being able to keep an open mind about things we do not understand, that we think we do, uh, because boy, it changes when you when you walk in someone's shoes, which is a cliche. But when you when you talk to someone that you think you've already figured out, and you really really listen without saying anything, mm-hmm. um, I think that um, the book taught me a lot about faith. Writing the book taught me a lot about faith. It's simply that I I knew where I wanted the book to end. <laughs> well, I know where I wanted the book to end. I told you about that, reading it. And um, uh, I kept praying to God that, uh, that, and I, I kept telling, telling Jackie, I said, you know, we're writing the last chapter right now. You know, we're, we're still interviewing, you know, on a, a weekly basis. And I said, you know, how are you doing? You know, you're, 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 where have you been this week? You know, what, who have you seen? And, you know, you're writing the last chapter right now. And, and, um, Johnny Leonardo, who was a, it's a great help in this book that, uh, works over at Giving Hope Retreat that does incredible work with, uh, with the addicted. He told Jackie that, you know, whatever you're doing, Ted's going to write about it. And if that means that, you know, we find you in a ditch one day, um, that's going to be the end of the book. How do you want this book to end? Mm. And so it was an interesting experience, and, and I kept praying. And, I, you know, when, when you read the verse about, you know, praying with groans that you can't, can't understand, Romans can't 8, 26, understand. yeah. Boy, that's where I was. I, I didn't know the words to pray anymore. That uh, there was a time when Jackie was missing, and um, and I just didn't know what to pray anymore. And finally, the 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 prayer became, okay, I give it up. I I, I give up. I'm I'm not in control of this story. I'm not in control of this book. God, this is your book. Just let me just. Just let me write what happens, and that, that the story is the story. And um, I cannot tell you, and you, we've heard this before, and we've all experienced before when a weight is lifted. 
that you give it over to God and you let him take charge, which is what he wants to begin with. He just wants you to let go and let him carry you. And uh, it was an amazing thing. I, I just I can't tell you that uh, um, how that felt, how it changed the whole project, how it changed my thinking. And um, I think I've carried that forward in my life. And that um, when um, when Jackie calls and he's had a great day, it is so uplifting. And when he doesn't answer the phone and I know he's in trouble again, it doesn't crush me anymore. Because I know that um, that that Jackie is struggling, and when he calls me, then I'll be there to to help 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 pull him back to the beach, you know, mm. um, in any way that I can. And I, I found it gratifying that when when he did have a um, a moment where he succumbed back to to crack when when he. When he came to himself again, he would call me, mm. and um, and once again, you know, there's always these moments. You know, I, you know, I don't want to enable this this human being. I got to be careful uh, when he when he needs money. I I can't give him money. <laughs> you know, those kinds of things. You got to be really careful because you know that's his. That's one of his triggers. If he has disposable money, yeah. Uh, so all those kinds of things, but. But learning to let go and to let God take take charge of everything in my life and to be at peace with the struggles that come to my life and realize that when I wake up and I have a new problem to deal with that I didn't expect that day, you know, kind of like a hurricane traveling right up <laughs> my gut, you know, that that I don't despair like I used to. I, I see a hurricane coming, and I know that okay, we're, we're going to do the best we can. We're going to get through this, and when we come through, you know, we're going to help our neighbor. We're going to help clear trees. We're going to get the grandkids out. We're going to all go and help somebody. Um, it changes your perspective when you know that God's still in charge, and that that troubles and trials come our way as part of life. And that life is hard, and it's going to be hard, and it's going to be hard tomorrow. Yeah. And suddenly life isn't hard anymore because you know it's still going to be hard. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, so, um, but yeah, that um, that came from this process. And, um, is there a Bible passage you have? You know, as you were talking, there were a couple of things that came to my mind, but is there something that you – is it Jackie's favorite verse? Is that uh, where you're going or – No, it's not. It's um, commit to the Lord. Your, you commit your thoughts to the okay. Lord and your uh, – commit your works into the Lord and your thoughts shall be established. To me, that is – that says everything. Is if, if you're doing it for God, then he's going to help you uh, achieve it in his way and that – when you when you pray that way for God's will, then God's going to answer that prayer. Mm. And it's when we get in the way of you know praying my will, and there's nothing wrong with praying for what I want, but realize that if you got to end that with if it's your will, and then you're you're not disappointed 
because mm-hmm. it's 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 God's purposes, and um, you know it's a there's an incredible book that I mention in the book um, by a 14th century monk, I believe, um, um, Brother Lawrence. Yes. The practice, the presence of God. Practicing the presence, yeah. It's incredible um, exercise in seeing the world and seeing your your life through God's eyes. Where, um, when when He directs our steps, we can't go wrong. God's timing is perfect timing. Mm. Uh, learning to wait on God and learning to. Uh, find service in your life is such a powerful lesson, and it, it sometimes it takes years, it takes some age, it takes some experience and wisdom to, to find that kind of wisdom, and um, um, but it that's where peace comes from, and we fight against that. <laughs> we really do. We like control, and oh, yeah. we like seeing. We we like just like the desire housing project photo story that I was working on. I you know I saw the vision and I saw you know the moment uh, you know that I wanted God to bless because this is going to be this is going to be major, yeah. right? I want to show what life is like to actually live in a, this terrible, awful housing project with the violence and the corruption and the. The rats as big as cats, kind of a thing. And yeah, there's some pictures in the book that are yeah, and uh, but but letting go of that, letting go of your your dreams and and finding God's purposes in your life, it it explodes. It just suddenly the power is there, and you just move in directions you never dreamed of. I don't know. That's that's the way I have experienced it. I well, guess. it made me think of, as you were talking about all that, and you can tell me if you think that it, uh, as you finally get back to your Klondike bar, <laughs> it made me think of Matthew 11, uh, 28 through 30, kind of the end of that uh, chapter, I believe, or near the end of it, where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and light. And this idea of we're we're working so hard for the Lord, and meanwhile it ain't even what He want us, wants us to be doing. And even if it is, He's really going to be the one that does it because He's the one who gets the glory in the end. So let's just give it to Him. Give it to Him. Right. That's right. So <clears throat> I remember we had a. <clears throat> I was working with a minister one time that, that said he wanted to, to to find a mission where the only way it could possibly succeed is if God was involved. <laughs> <laughs> and if God wasn't involved, it was it was going to crash Destined and burn. Destined to crash and burn. Yeah. And uh, uh, that was an interesting experience. And um, but of course, you know, in in order to find those kinds of projects, you know, you've got to to let God guide you, and and that's what we were trying to achieve with that. But um, yeah, finding God's purposes in your daily trials is um, it lightens your load. 
your the, the yoke is light. <laughs> it really is. And and um I, I've just I've been you know, this this recent hurricane I've just been so I've just been so unburdened through it. Uh the the, the work felt light, picking up our not only our debris but our neighbors uh, has has been a joy um, because you're doing it for you, you feel like there's a purpose beyond you know seeing grass underneath again <laughs> that it's um it's it's um it's laboring in the lord and it's it's um it's refreshing mm. so as you talked about that, it, it brought to mind, you know, this idea of purpose, kind of the overlap with identity. And, you know, identity, you know, we feel like we have a purpose. We feel like we're valuable, that we add something to this world. This is who I am. And I forget how much you explicitly talk about it in the book, but I think I heard you in an interview uh, elsewhere talk about this idea of identity where Jackie sort of had this vacuum after football that needed to be filled somehow, that he he didn't have an identity aside from being this rock star football player, being fast and being able to return punts and catch interceptions and, and all that kind of stuff. What do you think, has he learned that, or what are some key takeaways that maybe we can learn? Like, you know, I'm, And I'm thinking also as a parent, you know, I have four kids. You know, how do I help build up an identity in my kids that sort of insulates them maybe a little bit more besides just say no, right? You know, so sort of helping them have that identity that, you know, obviously I would say there's, Jesus has got a lot to do with it. But having an identity that kind of keeps them from feeling that emptiness, that void that they have to you understand where I'm going with that? Where I'm kinda there's a bunch of things sort of <clears throat> trying to put together. Yeah, it's um it's tough because especially men have a really identity uh crisis in our, our work. Mm. And that's who we are and that's how we identify ourselves and when you meet someone new, they always want to ask first question is, what do you do for a living? And, and uh, Jackie struggles with that <laughs> big time that he is an NFL player. Mm-hmm. That is his world. And he, uh, he still loves to hand out photos uh, from his playing days and loves to autograph them for him and uh, for people. And um, his, his justification of that is that it makes people smile. And it's a it's an it's a way to open doors and to tell jokes and to to start conversations and that's it's really charming in Jackie. Um, it's not charming when I go around bragging about what I do 
<laughs> it is. I looking at some of the things, especially near the end. You know, wow, he people love that that you just go around and tell everybody how great you are, and hey, I'm a rock star, and I'm going to bless you and let you have my autograph and a picture of me. Right? Do I? How do I make money doing that? That's right. <laughs> some people have charm. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's like uh, uh, the radio face and voice we were joking about earlier, right? You know, like that's right. some people got it, some people. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> but uh we we do know that that God opposes the proud and 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 uh, you know gives grace to the humble and you know that is that is where I want to live. I I love humility. I nothing turns me off more than arrogance. Yeah. Nothing. And um when I see it creeping up in my life, I just it, it just I, you know tamp it down, tamp it down. That's not that's not a good look on you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and there's one surefire way to make sure that God is actually working against you. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you want God working against you? You just get prideful. Oh, and, when, and when someone says it ain't bragging, if you can back it up, well, that ain't that's just not the fact. Yeah. Bragging is still bragging. Um, but you know, I, I I just love humility. I love when someone of incredible talent, incredible talent, wants to talk about your life. Yeah. And I've noticed that I'm very attracted to people that want to talk about my life. It's, what's going on there? Mm-hmm. What's going on there? They they've shown me that they care about me, and so I want to be that person. And you know, you you develop great friends and people who care about your life, and they want to know more about how your day went. And uh, we see that in our marriages. We see that in our, our with our kids that um, that uh, we're we're interested in them. And so, what about our our friends who were you know we've seen or someone who's having a really tough day, um, you know. How's it going? Where are you at? And all those kind of statements that we say around here, do we really want to know? We really don't. Yeah. But um, I, I, I find that as a, as a lovely um, expression of God's love is to, to, to be truly interested in other people's lives. And as a journalist, it's, um, it's something that I've made a career out of is, is, is you know, listening to people tell me their stories. And I, I find people's lives fascinating. And I think it's true that everybody does have a story and everybody does have a purpose that God can easily work through anybody's life in any uh, kind of moment, good and bad. Um, um, but, um, yeah, I, I arrogance turns me off. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me scratch off a couple of these questions here. <laughs> I, I agree that, uh, especially more and more today, we see so much of it all over the the news, the the television, the programs, and entertainers, and and all that kind of stuff. I think people more and more are looking for people that aren't in promotion mode, self promotion mode. You know. So jumping from that give you a chance to work on some of that Klondike bar a little bit. <laughs> you talk about Jackie being really willing to tell his story and that the, you know, the best thing that a journalist can find is someone who's willing to just bear their soul and just tell you everything. Uh, I talked with you briefly about this before we got in here that 
uh, there's this book, Philip Yancey. I want to say it's What's So Amazing About Grace, but I could be wrong about that because I have, like you, I've read more than one of his books. And he talks about upstairs church and downstairs church. And and that's another reason why, you know, this book is so helpful and it's coming at such an important time for Christians, for the church, for the world. Because upstairs church for, for Philip Yancey was everybody's trying to put on a good show. Everybody's wearing their Sunday best, got the shirt and tie on. How are you doing? Oh, I'm great. Doing great. I'm great. How are you? I'm great. I'm if great. I, if, I, if I was any better, it'd be two of me, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then downstairs church, well, that's not Sunday morning. That's Tuesday night. And that's where the addicts meet for AA or NA or any of the uh, Celebrate Recovery and, and all the, the variety of ministries that support people struggling through recovery. What? How do you think we can get more of that? I, I mean, is it? Are there things that you've learned that you know pastors like me should be talking about or pointing people to is to help us get to a place that looks more like downstairs church than it does upstairs church? More real, more relationships, more connecting, more honesty, less judgment. I think it's tough because I I think sometimes people want to be at church because it makes them feel like they've had a good week or it it rises above their normal sinful life that this is the moment of of glory for them in a week. Um but in our our sermons and and our Bible classes and our Bible studies and things like that, I think a lot of times we read scripture and take lessons from the Bible um, and we apply it to people we know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I got to get on the phone and call some people up and tell them about the sermon That's that was for right. them. That's right. You won't believe I didn't get anything out of it. <laughs> I didn't get anything out of it, but, but I'm pretty confident you'll get something out of it. I, in fact, I'm yeah, kind of hoping you do because I've been trying to tell you this for years. You know? But uh, yeah, when when we can apply it to ourselves, even though we when we think that we're beyond that, think about well, did I? How did I handle that moment this week? You know, did did uh, did I really show the love of God in that moment? Um, and you know, I, I hate to bring it up, but uh, in politics, I think it's really prevalent that you see a bible verse that you know mm. that demonstrates the the other side is wrong and that they're just they're the evil and thinking well you know if you think about it i do that too and um i don't have a good example in my head but i i i see it all the time in in my life when i'm i'm hearing a sermon or a bible verse that we're studying and we're working on and and um <clears throat> it'll take me a few minutes to bring it back to myself. But I really like doing that because that's that's where personal growth comes from, I believe. And, um, you know, we really don't want to be the same person walking out of church that we were walking in. Mm, we, if, if we're there just as, as, our preaching, as our preacher Waylon Bailey says, 
uh, we're not here to check off boxes, that we're here to be changed and transformed. And, um, you know, I, I want to apply these things. I, I sit at church. If I tell my grandkids who always sit with us, I tell them that if you see me texting during church, <laughs> it's because something really struck me, and I want to share it with Jackie. Uh, and I'm sharing it with Jackie. And um, uh, so I'm, I'm always trying to apply it to my my daily walk. And and um, I, I think that's where we want to be. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's it's very easy to go to upstairs uh, church and um, and then walk out of the building and forget um, that, you know, this was really a – this was this was really a moment where we worship God and we kind of look for our marching orders and we we now we're back out in the world where our ministry is and uh, when we see someone that needs our help or our words or our comfort or our our our, our caring ear that mm. this is our opportunity and um, <clears throat> I talk at one point it's probably about a paragraph in the book where I feel like my career has been built simply as a, as a photojournalist, simply by recognizing an incredible opportunity that I had and being brave enough to walk through that door that God has opened for me. Um, and I see that as such a metaphor for our Christian life, too, that God is opening doors uh, for service, for growth, for advancement in his kingdom, all these kinds of things. You know, you know, I've, I've trusted you and you've done well with this little thing. Now I'm going to give you a bigger thing. Mm. And a lot of times those doors open and you look at it and say, mm. I'm not walking through that not one. Today. <laughs> not today. Not <laughs> today. And, and I've, I've, um, I've been humble more than than I care to 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 recount the times that that uh, that I was. I, I just chucked it and said, "Okay, I'm okay. This is this is clearly an open door from God. This is clearly a call for me, and um, and I'm going to do it." And my wife has been so supportive in that, and. This story is exactly what that is, is, is taking, writing the book was that opportunity for me. And I needed my wife's support on this, you know, cause, cause I, um, um, I was working with the Times-Picayune. I was, I, I felt like I was doing the best work of my career at the very end of my career. And I felt the call to write this story. And my wife was supportive. She said, if, if, if that's what you need to do, then that's what you need to do. And um, we'll make it we'll, we'll make it work, and we'll see where God takes this. And it was an incredible moment. Uh, we've, we've had lots of those moments. Coming to New Orleans uh, for the job at the time, Spicune, was a very uh, a huge moment of faith. It was not where we had planned for my career to ahead that it was an opportunity the door opened and it was clear that god was saying you know come on over (laughs) and um 
you know, I'm from, from uh, rural Mississippi, and New Orleans was scary to me at that age. <laughs> and uh, I, I know a lot of friends uh, shake their heads when I tell this story because they had the same kind of moment. You know, if you, if you grow up in New Orleans, and then you see it in one way, but when you grow up outside of New Orleans, and it's, uh, it's, it, it presents very differently, mm. um, you see the stereotypes from outside. You don't see the families at Mardi Gras. You see the drunken brawls, and <laughs> and uh, so you know it was it was a big challenge uh, for me to accept the job at the Bikian. But um, uh, it's been the most amazing journey, uh, walking through that door, and God has blessed it in ways that I just would never have dreamed. Mm. And uh, but I, I those are big things. But I see it in little things too, that uh, um, you know, you walk by someone and you can see they're hurting, and you just um, you know you give them a kind hand or something like that. You know, it's just little things, day to day. You know, just uh, give it a try and see if it doesn't. And we we all know, we've yeah. all seen it. We've all seen it happen, uh, as Christians especially. Uh, but upstairs church tends to not want to do that. Um, that's what I love about Jackie is that uh, um, that he definitely lives in the downstairs downstairs church. That his his ministry is finding anyone in trouble and helping them. Now, a lot of people have told him that you know your problem is that you want to take care of others a lot more than you want to take care of yourself, <laughs> and he he preaches it. Aren't back we all kind of like that? Yeah, yeah. 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 So, well, this has been a real treat for me. Uh, you have yet to really get to your treat, <laughs> but I, I just appreciate you being willing to take so much time and chat about this story. I, I think I feel like we could talk forever about a lot of this stuff, and you're always welcome back if you got a new development or you got a new thing you want to talk about, a uh, new insight from. Life lived with Jackie Wallace and and living alongside somebody struggling through recovery. You know, you're welcome anytime. There's a freezer full of ice cream for you. Uh, I'll make sure to have Klondike bars. I'm running low on Klondike bars. So, well, it is has been a pleasure, and I um I think I told you when you first called. I said I love talking about this story. I love talking about this book. That it's been a, a real blessing for for in my life, and I will say this: that um, the day it released, I had um, my copies that I, I was to you know for my friends and mostly family, and of course a collection of of copies for Jackie. And when I gave him his first copy, uh, he was living at Giving Hope Retreat over here at Lacombe. And um, I put it in a manila envelope so that it felt like a present, but not goofy enough to wrap it up, you know, kind of thing. But I wanted him to open it and see it, and I wanted to to photograph his response to seeing it for the first time with his, you know, quote and and his photo on the cover. And um, so I handed it to him. He knew what it was. And he took it, and he cradled it against his chest. Wow. And hung his head over it. And I waited. (laughs) 
and he stayed in that pose. And it seemed like an eternity, but it was probably 45, 60 seconds that he stayed like that. And I finally said, Jackie, are you going to open it? And he said, no. He said, I want to spend time with God first. And it has made an incredible impact on Jackie's life, knowing that uh, the, that he's given the world a gift, I believe. I believe he is. Of, of you know, this is my life. Do better. <laughs> you know? And he, he knows he's a broken man. He knows that he has these struggles that uh, are shameful and the world looks down on. But he's given me and a lot of people an incredible gift um, by telling it. And yeah. um, so I appreciate the opportunity to be here and to talk about it. And and um, hopefully more people will know about it. I hope so. Maybe we'll move it north. Uh, I'm a Yankee. <laughs> right, originally. So hopefully this moves it in that direction and uh, helps Christians, non-Christians, everybody to think about friendship and walking alongside folks, connection, and uh, being honest about our mutual brokenness, and ultimately hoping that people find complete connection, complete acceptance and love in Jesus who uh, knows everything, whether we tell it like in downstairs church or whether we hide it in upstairs church. He knows it all, and uh, he loves us anyway. God is the answer, and it's the answer for everything. Amen. Well, everybody, you have heard it here from Ted Jackson himself, a lot of the story, but I'm telling you this book will be a wonderful read. It will encourage you. It will uh, terrify you a little bit at times with the roller coasters up and down, but you will be riveted and and you'll fall in love with uh, Ted and Jackie and their story and then uh, thinking about the hope that you can bring to people around you. So pick it up. You ought to do a story about me, addiction and unlikely friendship and the endless quest for redemption. Uh, And don't forget, taste and see that the Lord is good. Ice cream is sweet, but Jesus is far sweeter. God bless you. Catch up with you soon. Bye-bye.